You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Truth Sports Network, the NFL show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Promo code TGT20, 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. And of course, for all you Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there, if you're a man, it'll scape you. But also, you can manscape your Pittsburgh Steelers female woman, because we all know they're hairy as hell. I'm your host, Mike Goodpasser. Right now, I'd like to welcome into the show, as you can see with the beard, Big Ben's illegitimate son, which there's 14 of them out there, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? As I told you, I'm doing god-awful, Mike. <laughs> now um, I got to sit here for a show for 45 minutes. I got to figure out a way to survive this. 45 minutes, are you planning on jumping off halfway through? Because this show's going to last forever. Now, with a chance to wrap up the AFC North last night, the Pittsburgh Steelers instead failed disaster in the form of an inspired Cincinnati Bengals team, jumping out to a 17-0 first-half lead. The Bengals were led by a tenacious defense, the offensive play of quarterback Ryan Finley and running back Gio Bernard, as they stunned the Steelers with a massive 27-17 Monday night upset. And once the last undefeated team in the league, the Steelers lost their third game in a row, which will be headed for six straight in the first-round playoff exit, while the Bengals snapped a five-game losing streak. And this comes down to this, Sam. You come out, you turn the ball over three times, and the other team scores 17 points off of it, more than likely you're going to lose. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's the worst possible way to start the game. You really can't get any worse than that. The Steelers did rebound a little bit, but frankly, I mean, it should have been 10-27 here. Because Pittsburgh got lucky. You mentioned it last night. You sent me a text. They get lucky on that pass interference call nearby. So really, it should have been 27-10. There's nothing good to take out of this game for Pittsburgh. There's absolutely nothing good about this game. I know. It was a lot of fun. And now the issue is you've got to play the Indianapolis Colts, who I think will bludgeon you also. And then you'll go to Cleveland and lose. And the Cleveland Browns will be the AFC North champions, the way I predicted a month ago. But you weren't feeling so good about it after Cleveland had uh, some issues here in Pittsburgh came out and won. Actually, no, I haven't won recently. But you didn't feel so good about it recently. No, they lost to Baltimore, but I still said they I, You never heard me say I still said they could still win the division. I thought they were screwed did because I didn't think the Bengals would be able to do this. I, I thought this. I always give Zach Taylor hell, and I still will because he's still a shitty coach. One game doesn't change that. When you're five and, like, 25, one game doesn't mean all of a sudden you can coach. All the Bengal fans out there, oh, we got to keep him now. You just beat the Steelers. That would be like keeping Jim Harbaugh if Michigan would have went 1-11 and 11 this year, but they would have upset Ohio State. And let's face it, right now the Pittsburgh Steelers are not very good. Big Ben is old. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers need to find a quarterback of the future because I don't think you can roll into next year thinking it's Big Ben anymore. Well, the serious issue here now is Ben came out before yesterday's game before that he wants to come back for next year. And he's got like a $41 million cap hit next season, and he wants to come back instead of retiring. As a Steelers fan, I don't really want him back anymore. $41 million, that's, I'm not paying Ben $41 million for what I'm getting right now. Yeah, and I think also... And I've said this before. I think Mike Tomlin does a great job of getting guys motivated. I don't think he's a very good football coach. I think he is average. I think he is a very good motivator. But when you watch the Steelers last night from five minutes into that game, 
they were losing their shit left and right. Yeah, they weren't adjusted. Frankly, there haven't been adjustments made over the past three weeks. I mean, you know your offensive line is banged up. You know that. You can't run the ball. You've known this. Your receivers, they've been struggling because Ben can't get the ball downfield. And you've changed absolutely nothing about your offensive game plan. Defense is about adjusting out of the short pass where they're getting up in the faces of those wide receivers. Not hey, and I wanted to bring this up real quick. Line. Yesterday, we had this discussion with Steve Grizzly. Remember, he was talking about, well, Tom Brady can just throw those short passes all day. And this is a perfect example of why Steve Risley is full of crap. And if you're watching Steve, if you watch last night's game, you'll know that the short passes can be taken away by a team that pressures, plays man, and a team that blitzes up the middle. Big Ben didn't have time to throw the deep ball. And when he did, he was his internal clock was so rushed and he was not in a rhythm because he wasn't consistently throwing the ball deep down the field. And I think that's what you see with a team that wants to throw the ball short all the time eventually teams will sit on that and you got to do something else and they can't run the ball. I don't think James Conner would have made a damn bit of difference here because the offensive line did not play well. I mean, this is a Bengals defensive line that lost Carlos Dunlap. Geno Atkins didn't play. It's their two best players. So you can sit there and say, well, the Steelers are missing all their linebackers, but you're missing a guy in Geno Atkins, who I think is a hall of famer, a guy in Carlos Dunlap, who was one of the top 10 pass rushers in the league over the last five or six years. And Christian Covington and Mike Daniels dominated an offensive line for the Steelers that two or three years ago was one of the best in football. Well, that goes back to the age. You're talking about Ben Rossberger needing to potentially retire here because he's 38 years old and he looks old. The interior of that offensive line is in a similar spot. I mean, David DeCastro, three years ago, was arguably a top two guard in the NFL. Not that anymore. He's maybe top five, if anything. He's probably close down to like 10 or 11 at this point. Marquise Pouncey at center. He has not been good since. So that's the point where now you have to fix the interior offensive line. By the time you do that, the tackles will be able to need to replace those guys as well. I don't see a situation where Pittsburgh is competitive in the next two or three years because they have to rebuild from the they have to rebuild from scratch, basically. And the Bengals have Joe Burrow. And they have Zach Taylor. Doesn't matter. They got Joe Burrow. So you can win with Joe Burrow no matter who the coach is because he's going to be the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And that's why the Cincinnati Bengals are America's team, Sam. Just get over it. Yeah, and that's why they had two wins this year for Joe Burrow. Hey, this is the thing. It was his first year. And also, I just got a text from former Bengal great Joe Kelly, linebacker, started in Super Bowl twenty-three. The Cincinnati Bengals show will be at 8 o'clock tonight on the Grueling Truth Sports Network, so make sure you check it out there. Now, there's nobody you can really substitute for Big Ben right now, right? You can't bring in Duck Dynasty or anything. I mean, you're, you kind of got what you got if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Yeah, I hear all these people on the internet saying, I'll oh, put Mason Rudolph in. Mason Rudolph will be just as good, not better. No, hold on. We don't know Mason Rudolph will be better than this. Mason Rudolph, I mean, we, ben, we don't know that Mason Rudolph's better than Devlin Hodges. Yeah, exactly. It's like for, for everything we criticize Ben for, Turning the ball over a lot less than someone like Mason Rudolph would in these situations. So, frankly, I would stick with Ben here. I know people are saying, but, Frank, that's because you're frustrated. I mean, let's be realistic here. Mason Rudolph's not better than Ben. Neither is Devlin Hodges, even at this point in their careers. Yeah, and when you look at this, Pittsburgh only had 12 first downs and 244 total yards last night. And Juju Smith-Schuster... You know, Diddy's little TikTok dance. Now, number one, why is a grown man got a TikTok account? And number two, this goes back to this. Mike Tomlin, you remember Antonio Brown used to do this from the locker room after wins and losses where he would, you know, you know, shoot messages out on his Twitter or on Instagram. And 
this is something where Smith Schuster's done this for a couple weeks. I don't think Bill Belichick would let something like this go. I don't understand why Mike Tomlin allowed something like this to happen. As we talked off air, I don't think it had anything to do with him getting the snot knocked out of him last night. I think whoever caught that ball in that situation was getting that done to him. But the thing is this, it's really classless to do that before a game. Hell, it's classless to do it after the game if you win. I mean, this is stuff guys like Terrell Owens did. Yeah, exactly. And remember, we saw when Terrell Owens was doing that to the Dallas Cowboys. Logo, he got smacked for it. And this is, teams are not passive about this kind of stuff. They take motivation from anything they can get. Remember when TJ Huizamza was like cleaning his cleats with a terrible towel or something like that? I mean, in real, in real, that's not a big deal. But in the full field for all players, it's a huge hey. deal. So you can't be doing dances on a logo and expect teams not to be upset about it. This is the thing. The number one, the cleaning the shoe with the terrible tally had already won the game. My biggest problem is when guys do it before a game. Because, you know, what the hell are you going to do about it after I already beat you? The other thing is this. If he would have danced on a logo after the game, it would have pissed me off. But big deal. You should have beat him. I just don't know why you do this before games. And they've lost their last three games with him doing it. Yeah, I think Tom, there's news that came out recently saying Tomlin's going to have a discussion with Juju about it because, I mean, I know he's been on TikTok a lot. And they actually, by the way, Mike, there's a lot of people who are adults who make money on TikTok, believe it or not, as hard as it might be for you to grasp. A lot of people make money off that, including Juju Smith-Schuster. But at the same time... You know what? A lot know, of people make money off selling meth and crack. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> well, TikTok isn't illegal, Mike, unlike meth and crack. It should be because it's from China where the virus came from. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, well, it's I just, I just think for Juju Smith, I think it's it's gotta be over. You can't be doing this, especially at the middle of the field on our team's logos before the game. You just can't be doing. It. If you can do it and you win, big deal. Who cares? You're winning. But when you're losing, suddenly it becomes an issue, and they've been losing it. They're going to probably continue to lose. So you have to address the situation before it gets too far out of hand. Yeah, but the other thing is this: even if you do win the game. You're pissing everybody off. You, you're putting a marker on your head for everybody else you play. And then eventually guys are going to be looking for you. And it's a real good thing Vontez Perfect is no longer playing. Well, remember, Juju was the one who basically knocked Vontez Perfect out. He's got that T-shirt. That's what I'm saying. So Vontez would have went out of his way to do it. So, Oh, exactly. You know what it would have happened. You know exactly what would have happened to Vontez. Yeah, it would have been like that Bruce Willis movie. What was that called? It was like eight yards or something where, where the football player's running down the field and he pulls the gun out of his belt and just starts shooting people as he scores the touchdown. Did you ever see that movie, Sam? Mike, I haven't seen any movies. Okay. I thought you saw the one we brought up the other day, but that's all right. That's, um, that's right. There was one the other day. I had seen it. I forget so what it was. No. Right now, right now, the Browns play the Jets next week. The Steelers play the Colts. Can the Steelers beat the Colts right now? It would take a massive from Philip Rivers. But frankly, the only way to beat Philip Rivers in the culture right now is to slow down Jonathan Taylor and rush us because we know he's a statue back there. But Pittsburgh had two sacks last night against Cincinnati's offensive line. They had two sacks. I mean, this is what happens when you lose Bud Dupree and you lose Devin Bush. You don't have those kind of guys on the field. Suddenly, you have two sacks from one of the best defensive lines or supposedly one of the best defensive lines in the NFL against the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. So if you're not going to be able to get any pressure on Philip Rivers, you're not going to be able to struggle to stop the running game. There's absolutely no way you can beat the Colts. You know what would be really fun is if they lose the division to the Browns and then the next week have to go to Cleveland again and they get beat twice in a row by the Browns. That would be a nightmare, Mike. I know you would love it because you would love to see Pittsburgh Steelers fans burn and all their 
Yeah, you, because you they're, I mean, you're the only Pittsburgh Steelers fan that I know really does not a complete nutter moron. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I mean, you're just a personal moron. All right, let's go ahead and let's look at Sam's quarterback power rankings for this week. We're going to go first with the top 10. We're going to start at the top, which is Patrick Mahomes at number two, Aaron Rodgers at number one. And when I look at this, I don't see, I know we've had a few people like Steve Risley and Bobby Sheridan who get mad every time you do this. But right now, number one to me has to be Aaron Rodgers. He didn't play a great game, but he didn't play bad. He didn't turn the ball over. He accounted for two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes lost a fumble, but played really well again. And when you look at these two, I think they've kind of separated themselves a little bit. But when you go to three and four, Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill, especially Josh Allen, Josh Allen's a guy right now that I don't think gets the respect he deserves by most people. I don't think most people would rank him as high as what you've got him ranked right now. And I think you can make a case for Josh Allen to possibly be in the top two. I think he's closer to the MVP discussion than a lot of people were acknowledging because I know he didn't play a great team weekend, which is when he had a fantastic game. But look at his numbers for the year. I mean, 30 pass touchdowns, only nine interceptions, eight rushing touchdowns. He's been killing it. He did have maybe those three or four games games in the middle of the season when he wasn't on. Let's face it, at this point, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have had one or two or three games where they haven't been great either. So if we're just kind of scratching those out, I think Allen has been very close to Patrick Mahomes this year, and the Buffalo Bills are top three, top four team in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I still think my Super Bowl pick right now would be Buffalo out of the AFC. And I know people will say that's nuts, but you watch. And I also said that one like eight or nine weeks ago, maybe even longer than that. Number four, Ryan Tannehill, three touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. I mean, come on, dude. This, this dude finished the game with a 145.8 passer rating. And Derrick Henry also ran for 150 yards. You can say what you want, but the Detroit Lions only lost by a touchdown to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers last week. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill, I think people are still overlooking. He's one of the guys that start the year. I had him ranked. But I think there are still people overlooking Ryan Tannehill because he's been great. I know people love to focus on Derrick Henry, but Tannehill's been fantastic this year as well. 13 touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, only five interceptions. This is a top five player in the top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Is going to be this moving forward. Well, the thing is this. I think if he was to have a game similar to what he just played in Green Bay and they beat the Packers, I think then at least people will start to bring his name up in the MVP discussion. Well, you would have to, especially if it goes against Aaron Rodgers, because Brian Tannehill, like I've said, he's got the numbers, his team's winning, his team is one of the best, one of probably the top five teams in the NFL right now. There's not really much you can pick out from Brian Tannehill this year and say he's done it poorly. And for Jets fans that are upset about not getting the number one pick, remember this, Ryan Tannehill with Adam Gase looked like a very ordinary quarterback. As soon as he got the hell away from Adam Gase, he became a guy that's a top five quarterback. So don't throw the Sam Darnold to the wolves too quick. Number five, Russell Wilson. Number six, Deshaun Watson. Number seven, Tom Brady. Number eight, Baker Mayfield. When I look at this, I would put Tom Brady at five. You from that high? Yeah, I would put him ahead of Russell Wilson now. He has been infinitely better than Russell Wilson over the last month. I agree. Russell Wilson has slipped a little bit over the past month. I think part of the reason Tom Brady backs there have been a few more. Again, Russell Wilson's thrown quite a few exceptions as well at this point. Part of it is he still looks uncomfortable on offense. I think that's more to do with Bruce and Tom Brady at this point, though, right? He didn't look uncomfortable in the second half. No. 
No, he knew what he was doing the second half, but Atlanta playing playing the Atlanta Falcons is destined that he's going to have that great second half. All right, Baker Mayfield number eight. Hmm. When I look down here, I can roll with that. And finally, I think we had this argument earlier in the year where I said you had him too low, by the way. But Baker Mayfield has played well. I do worry about one thing from watching the Giants game, and I only watched a little bit of it because it was an absolutely atrocious football game. But he was 27 for 32, 297, two touchdowns. I still question what happens when a team can consistently get a pass rush on him because he still seems to hurry things when he has a little bit of pressure on him. But I think Baker Mayfield's going to go to New York. He's going to have a huge game this week because, let's face it, the Jets are still going to be patting themselves on the back from finally winning a football game. And then Baker's going to win the AFC North. So I think Baker Mayfield at number eight, to me, is about dead on. I don't know about that AFC North stuff, but I think this is his best year in the NFL. I know he had a good rookie year. He's already got 25 passes. Sam, 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 Sam. Did yeah. you watch the game last night? I did. All right. So if Pittsburgh plays Cleveland, Pittsburgh has no linebackers. Cleveland has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You're going to get your ass kicked. Probably. It feels, it okay. feels, look, there's got to be that part of my brain that's just holding me back here. But you know, there's the reality of thinking into that we're probably going to finish this year with, what, five or six losses in a row? Yeah, your only saving grace would be if the Cleveland Browns do what Cleveland Browns do and choke this away because the Browns, all intents and purposes, should win these two games. They should win them handily, but they're still the Cleveland Browns. Number nine, Kyler Murray, who had a great game, three touchdowns, one pick. Still a little inconsistent for me. Uh, Phillip Rivers at number 10. Tua at number 11. I would actually put Phillip Rivers at number nine, and I would put Tua at 10 and Kyler Murray at 11. I thought I might shake that three that tree up a little bit. I put Phil Burrs at 10. He's been consistent. I just don't know if he has the same ceiling as someone like Kyler Murray. And we saw Kyler Murray. He had the turnovers again. That's what Phil Burrs What is that? This is the thing. A power ranking to me is right now. Who yeah, is I know. It's right now. Yeah, I'm, it's not a ceiling. I know. I'm saying right now. I'm saying if you put Phil Burrs in Arizona, I don't think Arizona would have beat Philadelphia this past weekend. You need Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray can go for four touchdowns a game. Phil Burrs isn't going to do that. But that's unfair because the offense in Arizona is designed for Kyler Murray. I will tell you this. If you put Kyler Murray in Indianapolis, the Colts are a 500 team and nowhere near a playoff team. Yeah, I know you don't like Kyler Murray. We get that, Mike. No, I like Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray, Murray could be really good. I think from what I see right now, he's in, inconsistent. I'm just telling you this. The offense is built for him. In Indianapolis, the offense is built for Rivers. If you switch those two, neither one of them are going to be as successful. Neither one of them is going to be in the top 10 in those situations because in Arizona, you know, you need a quarterback that's mobile a little bit that gets rid of the ball quick. And in Indianapolis, you need a quarterback that can sit in the pocket and throw the ball. That doesn't jive with either one of these guys. I think that each team would have two less wins if they switched quarterbacks. I that's fair. I mean, definitely for Kyler Murray, I am a little concerned about him moving forward. Because his size is coming, he's, his size has played a role a couple of times this year where he's been blocked from the inside of the pocket where he's had guys knock down his passes. I'm a little concerned about moving forward. Well, well how about that? I, why I'm concerned is this. They run a variation of the air raid there. In the air raid, you're getting the ball, you're throwing the ball. The problem is he's not getting it. If you watch Drew Brees in New Orleans, he's about the same height as Kyler Murray. He will yeah. drop like five to seven yards deeper than a normal quarterback. And then he works himself up into the pocket to be able to find the holes to be able to throw the ball. If you're just dropping one or two steps, standing in the pocket when that rush comes, 
you're kind of limited in what you can do. If you get a deep drop and the ends are beating your tackles, say, for instance, he could just kind of run right up into that pocket and he's got some room to play with if the interior line does something. So I think with Kyler Murray, I think that they need to deepen his drop a little bit. I think when we look at Tua Tagvialoa, I would say he probably shouldn't be ahead of Kyler Murray. I've already changed my mind on that. But I do think he is going to be better than Kyler Murray. And I think it's going to be relatively quick that he is better than Kyler Murray. And they've got a huge game against the Raiders. And right now, if you look at it, none of these teams that are sitting with nine or ten wins in the AFC for the wild card are even safe right now. No, they're not. They're still going to be potentially a 10-win team here that's not going to make the playoffs in the AFC, which is why I'm glad Pittsburgh got to 11 wins before they fell apart because if they had stayed at 10, I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to make the playoffs. But right now, I mean, it's going to be very competitive here towards the end. And that's nice because we were, we were afraid when they expanded to seven teams per conference. We were afraid it wasn't going to be a compelling spot, but you're going to get a 10-win team who's going to play, who's going to be the seventh seed, and you're probably going to get a 9- or 10-win team who's going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and I think we find out a lot about Tua right now. I don't think it's a be-all, end-all thing for him just because it is so late in the season, in his first season. But I think what we're going to see from him is I think on Saturday night, he will play very well. He will beat the Raiders. And then who do they finish with? Don't they finish with Buffalo? I can pull up real quick. I already got the schedule up in front of me. They're finishing with, yeah, it's Buffalo. That's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, so they're probably going to lose that. Indianapolis, um, Tennessee. Tennessee's got a big game against Green Bay. I mean, Indianapolis has a big game against Pittsburgh. Any of those three team loses right there, they could be the team that sits out with 10 wins. So there's going to be a lot of pressure here at the end of the season, and we got a little bit of a pennant race. It's like 1964, don't you think, Sam? Oh, you know, I, I love 1964, Mike. It's the 1964 pennant race. The Reds, Phillies, Cardinals, they all went down to the last day of the season. But I'm just trying to teach you some baseball history. Number 12, Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts, the people of Philadelphia are going to love Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a fighter. He's undersized. Nobody thinks he's that good. He's like the Rocky Balboa quarterbacks. And I think that if he can continue to have success, he's going to be the starter there because I think the people of Philadelphia are going to fall in love with him. Well, you saw some of the plays he made against Arizona. I mean, he's making throws that Carson Wentz would have airballed earlier this year. I'm not saying that he's necessarily more talented than Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz certainly wasn't playing well during this season. And Jalen Hurts has played well through two games. They beat the Saints. They almost beat the Cardinals. They had a chance to beat the Cardinals. They had two shots in the end zone and just couldn't connect there. And frankly, I mean, he had some really good plays, including the one where he dropped the ball initially, picked it back up, and connected on with Dallas Goddard for maybe a 15- and 25-yard pass downfield. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the star there long term. I'm just curious to see what they're going to do with Carson Wentz moving forward. Oh, I think he's going to be out of there. I mean, I think you go with Jalen Hurts, especially if they win the last two games. They win the last two games. They've got a shot to make the playoffs here. So when you look at 13, you got Lamar Jackson. I don't think he should be ahead of Kirk Cousins. I got You got Kirk Cousins at 14. Um, I, I don't understand that. I think Cousins has had a better season. I'm not going to read too much off of beating down the Jacksonville Jaguars, Sam. I agree with that. I'm not. I'm not doubting you there. I think Jacksonville's not. I mean, Jacksonville when you should have. It's not a win that should really. But he's had three decent games in a row now. Pass rating over a hundred. They've won all three of those games. It's not necessarily like he's playing bad right now. It's certainly. I think the playing maybe he's done all year at this point. And Kirk Cousins had some questionable games here. But he didn't play Tampa Bay. He played Chicago. His offense lines been beat up. I think 
could flip either one of these guys. But I- you can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Have Lamar ahead of Kirk Cousins. Well, Cousins only threw one pick. It was on a Hail Mary, as you put in your article. I think having Justin Herbert ahead of Matt Ryan and Drew Brees is absolutely insane. I would actually put Ryan and Brees probably around 11 and 12. All right, now the Matt Ryan. Now, here's the thing. You can't be serious with Matt Ryan right now. You can't be serious with that. Why? He just threw three interceptions against the Chargers, Mike, to, in week 14 when he played Justin Herbert. He threw three picks. Yeah. And he threw three touchdowns this last game. Yeah, and Her- what did Herbert? Her- Herbert have three touchdowns this what last game? Did, didn't Justin Herbert um, put up a zero against New England the week before that? Uh, didn't Matt Ryan just lose in a comeback to Tom Brady? No. Like a 17-point um, comeback or like a 30-point comeback, whatever it was? Well, I, I would say this. I don't think the inability to play defense is Matt Ryan's fault. And I also think this. I think that the Atlanta Falcons are an absolute cluster right now. And I think Drew Brees below Matt Ryan is criminally insane. I mean, if Drew Brees hasn't played in over a month. But if you look at the totality of his season, he's been pretty good. And you know what? He did have a great second half, three touchdowns. So I think putting Drew Brees this low is kind of insane also. Because I don't think for one second, if you had to go win a Super Bowl, that you would take Lamar Jackson over Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Matt Stafford, any of those guys. Here's the thing with the Drew Brees thing. And you said this the other day on the show. I don't know if you were reading off a script or an article or what you were reading. But you were laying into Drew Brees at some point during yesterday's show. And frankly, he deserved it because he was absolutely awful during the first half. He was worse hey, than Ben was in the first thing. half last hey, yesterday. I laid into him, not from an article or anything else. It's just because that, you know, we had somebody on the show as a guest that was saying how well he played. Well, that's true. And he, yeah, he didn't play that well until the second half. It kind of clicked then, but that first half is awful from Drew Brees. Yeah, so that was a Steve Risley-inspired rant. Um, number 18, Teddy Bridgewater. I think 18 is about what Teddy Bridgewater is. I think he's done a good job this year for what they've had. Matt Stafford at 19, he needs to get the hell out of Detroit. If he does, you put it, you put Matt Stafford in, Detroit, in Indianapolis, and he's going to be in top 10 the entire year. Absolutely. I mean, we saw last season he was in Detroit. He got hot. He was a top 10 quarterback last year until he got hurt. I think if you give him an offensive line, which is what he really needs to be honest, and maybe a running game, which is what he's never had in Detroit, then he's going to be a top 12 kind of guy. And we've seen it from him. We've seen the flashes. We know he can do this. Yeah, because he's done it before. I mean, back in, what, 2015 or 16, he had the finger injury. But up until that point, he was one of the favorites to be the MVP of the league. Number 20, Andy Dalton. 21, Sam Darnold. 22, Marcus Mariota. My take on this is Andy Dalton is what he is. He's a solid quarterback. Sam Darnold needs to get the hell away from Adam Gase. Whether that means he has to leave New York or not, I'm sure Adam Gase will not be back, or I assume he won't. Marcus Mariota played really well. My problem with Marcus Mariota is he plays really well, but even when he plays really well, there'll come a point at the end of the game where he makes a stupid throw or two that just kills you, and it happened in this game on, what was that, Sunday or Monday night? Yeah, I think this is actually the Thursday night one, I'm pretty sure, but this is 
you're right. I mean, he had that bad throw. He's playing good all game. And then the interception, I think it was in the fourth quarter when everything was on the line. And that really tanks the whole game for him. I still have him at 22. He's 20 space. The guys below him, they're not that great. And they also have bad losses this year. I mean, this week as well. So I had Mark Simone at 22. He did lead the Raiders in rushing yards too, which kind of helped him get to 22 on this list. All right, number 23, Jared Goff. And that's the other thing about Marcus Mariota. It's if you come in a game and you're a running quarterback, I think I brought it up on that show on Friday. I mean, the other team is not prepared for that. So we'll see what Marcus Mariota does against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have maybe the best secondary or one of the best secondaries in football. So we'll see what happens, especially if Josh Jacobs isn't 100% yet, which I don't think he's going to be. He played like he was injured in the last game. Number 23, Jared Goff, as always. He's either a huge disappointment or you're starting to think he's getting it. So I'm going to go ahead and think that even when I think he's starting to get it, he's going to still end up being a huge disappointment. Big Ben, I think, has had a great season, especially for his advanced age. But the way he looked last night just looked like, you know, an old Johnny Unitas trying to play for the San Diego Chargers in 1973. It was sad. I, to some extent, not I know he didn't turn the ball over as much. I almost compared it to Brett Farrier. With the Vikings, I know it wasn't that, but I think it's trending that somewhere. It's just falling apart. I mean, these guys have 30 yeah, touchdowns and 10, 10 interceptions. Thing, really. Brett, Brett Favre had had multiple seasons with over 20 interceptions before. So it wasn't yeah, yeah. really an old Brett Favre. It was just Brett Favre. You know, Big Ben, I mean, he has a tendency to go double digits, but low double digits usually in interceptions. I think outside of early in his career, I think this is an anomaly, which tells me he's getting older. Yeah, like I said, he does have good numbers this year. It's just the fact that when you watch him on the field, and he's leading the NFL in pass attempts again, 559. He did this in 2018, right before he got injured in 2019. Now, after the what was it, the elbow surgery, 38 years old, 559 pass attempts, the most in the NFL. You, you can't do that to Ben. This is what's going to happen. Of course he's going to get tired by the end of the season. If he threw 559 pass attempts for the entire year, he would still be tired by the end of the season. So you can't be doing this right now. Pittsburgh has utterly failed offensively to game plan around Ben Osper and his age. Number 25, Mitchell Trubisky, who has played better of late. Let's see what happens the next two weeks and see if he can get the Bears to the playoffs. I still think, and I know you agree with me, that his ass should be gone after this season. I wouldn't read too much into three or four games after a couple bad years. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like saying Adam Gase, you won against the Rams, so you should bring Adam Gase back. No, you should. You know who he is. We've seen it happen before. One or two really good games does not erase four years of misery. You have to move on from Mr. Bisky. All right, number 26, we've got Gardner Minshew, 27 Cam Newton, 28 Colt McCoy, 29 Drew Locke. I would actually put Drew Locke above Gardner Minshew. I mean, Gardner Minshew did pretty well against Baltimore defense. I thought he did good with the 26. I don't know why you put Drew Locke that high. They got to be like 44 to 14. He didn't do much. I mean, just because your stats look good. Stats are for losers. They just are. I mean, if, if you thought stats were a great deal, you would think Peyton Manning was the greatest quarterback of all time. But stats are for losers. I could see Drew Locke right below Gardner Minshew. I could see the argument there. But Drew Locke, I mean, Cam Newton's been terrible this year. I mean, Colt McCoy. Well, hell, he's Colt McCoy. And <laughs> Drew Locke. Drew Locke had a good game that one time. I don't remember when it was, but it seems like he did. And to put Ryan Finley 
after the epic win last night at number 30 is just sickening. Ryan Finley almost threw for 100 yards last night. Yeah, I got real close. Like, can you count rushing and passing? He got over 100 yards. Yeah, almost 150. Yeah, and that would have been top 10 stuff right there. It should have been. He should be number one just for that win. But the cool thing is this. Ryan Finley, 25 years from now, when he sits there and tells his grandkids how he played quarterback in the NFL for a couple years and backed up Joe Burrow, they're not going to believe him. And then he's going to go to YouTube or whatever new thing they've got then, and he's going to flip that game on. He's going to say, look at this, boys. Look at this touchdown run. I mean, you guys got beat was, by a I mean, guy that runs – you got you guys got beat by a guy that runs like a five flat forty, and he went twenty five yards down the heart of your defense. Well, and that's the thing I, I forgot to mention. Is I wanted to bring that play up because if you watch the play, Alex Highsmith, who's the backup for Bud Dupree, who's now starting, he's a rookie, bites on that play, goes right after the running back, and opens that massive hole for Ryan Finley to gallop into the end zone, basically walk in. If you have Bud Dupree in that situation, I'm not sure that happens. Just plays into Pittsburgh being beat again. But then again, I'm not. I'm not trying to make any. I mean, I think this, I think it possibly could have happened because I don't think anybody was expecting Ryan Finley to do that except for me, because I did call that before. And you saw the text I sent to my buddy. I, know, I, I did. You, you, you sent me screenshots of text messages you sent before that play predicting that. Was and that touchdown happened at 1043. But there you go. Uh, Dwight Haskins is last. Yeah, it's like a flashback to like week one or week two. It's like a flashback to every week he plays. Now, you know, Dwayne Haskins is in a little bit of trouble. Did you hear about this, Sam? Oh, yeah, I, I heard about that. So, I mean, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, you know, he likes titties. And the problem is he doesn't wear a mask when he's looking at him. So the Washington Redskins said it was aware of pictures on social media showing quarterback Dwayne Haskins at a strip club Sunday night celebrating a loss while not wearing a mask and that the team will handle this issue internally. Haskins tweeted an apology saying he spoke with coach Ron Rivera on Monday and took full responsibility for putting the team at risk of COVID and STDs. It was irresponsible and immature and I accept responsibility for my actions. He also issued apologies to his teammates for creating a distraction during our playoff push. When, when's Alex Smith going to be healthy? That's what I'm asking. I think, I think this might just be a reason. They might just suspend him here to make sure he can't play next game. Well, they might as well suspend him and go get Ryan Finley. Um, <laughs> I mean, dude, come on. Th this is stupid. And, I mean, number one, yeah. It's a Sunday night after you lost and you're going to a strip club. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to a strip club ever in my life. Nobody ever believes that, but I had never saw the need to just pay somebody to look at their boobs. So I think that's kind of messed up to begin with. But then the fact that you just lost, why do you want to go out and party? Maybe you want to watch film Dwayne Haskins since you can't figure out how to play quarterback in the NFL. I mean, his best hope, is to maybe be a backup on one of those XFL teams that the Rock starts up. Um, you're not wrong. That's what I was thinking, dude. That's where I was going to go with this conversation is, why are you out partying? You just lost the game. You played horribly. And, like, you're make, trying to make a playoff push here. You might have to start next week in the middle of a playoff push. 
So I don't know why there. I don't know why he's doing this, but he's clearly it's a dumb decision. And frankly, why would you want this guy on the team anymore? Why would you want this guy taking up that much cap space as a former first round pick? If I'm Washington after this year, I find whoever I can, maybe in the draft, maybe in the first or second round, and I'm getting rid of Haskins. Go get Matt Stafford. Somebody needs to go get that Matt would Stafford. Somebody needs to rescue Matt Stafford from the dregs of Detroit <laughs> because it's going to ruin a career, and it's already ruined a career. Hell, it ruined Calvin Johnson. He retired early. Barry Sanders retired early. I mean, the Detroit Lions are a mess. Go get Matt Stafford. Go rescue his ass and then send Dwayne Haskins wherever somebody like Dwayne Haskins is going to go. And, and I can tell you this. Does this affect people wanting to draft Justin Fields? What, this? What do you mean, the Ohio yeah. State thing? Just in general, the Ohio State thing. They don't develop quarterbacks at Ohio State. And it seems like the guys that get recruited to Ohio State that end up transferring – are better than the guys they keep, at least when you look at him as an NFL possibility as a quarterback. When I watch Dwayne Haskins, I see the same thing I saw with Justin Fields. I think Fields is a little bit better, but what I see is I see guys that have to throw to the first read, and they're guys that aren't very smart. You know, it's kind of like Johnny Manziel. He can go out there, he can run around and just throw the ball if he's playing at a playground, but if he's got to come out and he's got to break down a defense, well, he'd better go look at strippers than look at his playbook. And that's an issue right here. And I think with Justin Fields, not saying he's like Haskins in any sense, because like I said, I do think he's a better quarterback. But I think if I'm the New York Jets and I've got a choice between Justin Fields and Sam Darnold, the choice is obvious. And it's Sam Darnold. I think that's where we went with this conversation yesterday. And I agree with you. Sam Darnold, me coming out of college, and even right now, has more potential than Justin Fields. I think the drop-off between Trevor Lawrence, who I do have my own reservations about, but I think the drop-off between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields is astronomical. So I don't know, if you're not getting that number one overall pick, why draft Justin Fields? So to me, I think I, I agree with you. I don't know if necessarily Dwayne Haskins affects Justin Fields in this conversation, but I think there should be concern about Justin Fields because of the way he's played. I mean, look at how he did against Indiana and Northwestern, two ranked teams actually matter that he played this year. He has... Five interceptions and only two passing touchdowns in those games. He's completing under 50% of his passes in those games as well, I believe. I mean, he's not playing good against the best competition he's played all year. And this was the only well, two good were, teams he played this year. Yeah, and if you remember in the past, they won their national championship because of Ezekiel Elliott, correct? Yeah, that other one. And that was Cardell Jones was the quarterback. Cardell Jones is a really good XFL quarterback. That's it. I mean, the thing is this, Cardell Jones, same thing, can't read a defense. People don't understand the difference between playing quarterback at Ohio State and playing quarterback in the NFL. At Ohio State, this is a lot of run the ball. When you throw the ball, you got one option. You're throwing the ball here or you're running. That's why they use quarterbacks like that. That's why a guy like Joe Burrow ended up at LSU. He doesn't fit into what Ohio State wants. And I'm not saying that's bad because if you want to win games in college football, obviously that will work. And we see a lot of guys that win that way. But in the end, if you want to develop an NFL quarterback, that's not the way you do it. And if you look at these guys, I mean, Russell Wilson went to Wisconsin. They ran a pro-style offense. He's a successful NFL quarterback. He went to NC State before that. Same thing. It seems to me like the places where quarterbacks fail seem to regurgitate quarterbacks that fail again a couple of years later. And, you know, Alabama, when's the last time Alabama put out a really good NFL quarterback? Richard Todd would have been in the 1970s. I mean, 
before that, you had what Kenny Stabler or Joe Namath. You know, Namath and Stabler. I mean, they were great quarterbacks, but that was under Paul Bear Bryant. It was a different kind of offense. And what you see today is a lot of these teams, like Florida. Has Florida put out a big time quarterback? No, I mean, think about it. I mean, who are the guys they've had? Tim Tebow didn't play well in the NFL. Was a Felipe Francis come out this year? He's not he transferred, he's not gonna make a difference. Yeah, Kyle Trask is their best. Yeah, Kyle Trask is probably their best NFL prospect in 20 years, maybe longer. Yeah, and if, if you look at the fun gun or whatever Steve Spurrier called that, Shane Matthews, all those guys, none of those guys turned out. I mean, the thing is, they're running offenses that the perfect example is Zach Taylor. I get Bengal fans that say, well, we don't want to switch Joe Burrow's offensive coordinator after just one year. Well, Joe Burrow was tearing shit up by his second game in a new offense. And, you know, I I, I hear I got a buddy who's a big Joe Burrow fan and a big Bengals fan, and he's like, well, they run the same offense LSU runs or ran last year. I, no, they don't. They run a few passing concepts that are the same to make Burrow more comfortable. But if you run any college's offense in the NFL, it will get destroyed. You know, it's not the same thing. In college, I could line up. If I got two receivers that are studs, I could line them up in a way that you can't defend them because you don't have studs to defend both of them. You know, that's what makes Alabama good because Alabama, you know, a little over half the roster will make the NFL. But that's the other thing you hear people say, well, Alabama can beat the Jets. No, they can't. Because you know what? The Jets, 53 of those guys made it to the NFL. Alabama's team this year, maybe 15 guys will. So if you think Alabama's going to beat the Jets, you're a dumbass. Because the other thing is, the Jets are all grown-ass men. Yeah. Even with Adam Gase. You know, Nick Saban, if you're going to play the Jets, Nick Saban doesn't have the greatest track record as an NFL coach. Because he's a BS artist. I mean, he's a recruiter. There's a difference between college and the NFL. People don't understand that. And what you get, Urban Meyer, if you put him in the NFL, will fail miserably. Dabo Sweeney would fail miserably because people see through the BS. I mean, if you want to take a college football coach right now or college football coaches right now that can be successful in the NFL, I think that maybe Lincoln Riley. I think definitely Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. He's getting worse. And I think Luke Fickle from Cincinnati because they're guys that don't play any bullshit. You know, that's how they can recruit. You know, if you're at Northwestern and you're at Cincinnati and you're ranked in the top 20, you're not recruiting five-star guys. You're not winning with five-star guys. You're winning with three-star guys. So what you're getting is you're getting guys there and you develop them. And if you've got a coach that can develop players, that's when you've got something. You know, Zach Taylor, I'm not saying Zach Taylor doesn't know anything about coaching football. I'm just saying that I don't think guys really completely respect him yet. And I will also bet you almost anything that on Sunday, they're going to show up at Houston. They're going to score six points and they're going to lose 27 to six. And it's going to be the same old, same old. And everybody's going to be, well, what happened to the team that played Monday night? Monday night was a fluke against a team that's not very good. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are missing half their team. The Bengals are missing half their team. Neither team's any good right now. They're just not. I watched the no, Steelers get I watched the Steelers get their ass handed to them by Washington, who's a, you know, even if they may make the playoffs, they're like six and eight right now. I watched the Buffalo Bills after a quarter just absolutely manhandle the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, and I hate to tell Bengal fans this, but this Zach Taylor, who you may want to keep because he beat the Steelers, 
last week lost 30 to 7 to the freaking Dallas Cowboys and Andy Dalton. <laughs> so get your heads out of your ass. It's one win out of five in two years. All right. And this is going to end with the Bengals losing their last two games, probably losing them by double digits against teams that aren't that great. I know the Ravens are pretty good. I mean, come on, the Ravens are going to be bored playing the Bengals. It's going to be 20 to nothing or 24 to nothing. You know, Deshaun Watson is going to light the Bengals up and beat the Bengals 27 to six. And everybody's going to say, well, how'd Brian Finley do so good in that one game? Because Pittsburgh's not very good right now. We had to remember Ryan Finley. I used to, he won the game. I'll give him that. But did he really do that? I mean, he only said seven for 18 or whatever it is. I'll pull the numbers up. It, but it was seven like for Ryan 13. Finley killed him. Seven for 13 for 83 yards. And I can tell you this. I didn't think they would score another touchdown in the second half. And when they were up 24 to 10 or 24 to 17, I mean, and they got to stop. I looked at my son. I said, you think they could get another first down with Ryan Finley? He's like, probably not. They've used up all their tricks. And I mean, that's what it was. And now the problem is they're going to go to Houston. And if Zach Taylor's a really good coach, he's going to come up with some more tricks. But he's not. You know, no. the play that they ran on, the play they ran fourth and one from the 20 at the end of the game instead of kicking a field goal. Number one, I didn't mind it. But I knew that Ryan Finley was going to pull the ball and run with it. Because it'll work so much. And it's not going to work in that situation because I, I guarantee you on the Pittsburgh sideline, they say, hey, watch Finley pull the ball. So what they did is they probably they, they double A gap blitzed to stop the dive. And then they had their outside backer just stay home and blitz. Once the fake came, he blitzed outside shoulder of Finley. That play wasn't going anywhere no matter what. To tell you the truth, fourth and one from there. What I'd have done, I'd have snapped the ball to him. I'd have thrown the ball in the back of the end zone to Tyler Boyd. either catches it or they can pick it because I don't really care because you're going to pit him at the 20 still. That's what yeah. I would have done. It was the safest play because as we saw in 2015, you hand the ball off, somebody can fumble. You know, that's why I wouldn't have kicked a field goal there. Hell, I'd have been fine if he had just taken a knee at fourth and one. Just because Big Ben is only going to throw the ball like 20 yards anyways. You can't really do much on a Hail Mary with a 20-yard pass. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And like I said, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh couldn't get one yard for games all game. I think Pittsburgh had, what, three or four third and ones they couldn't pick up during the game? I mean, it was just pathetic. Okay, Greg Garecki runs about a 20-second 40, but I'm 61 and had a few knee operations. What's that mean, Greg? I've had a few operations too, and I'm 50, and I still run a 4-4. Because everybody I ever met, like when I coached football, especially professionally, everybody would send me an email or hit me up and say, Coach, I run a 4-4-40. Said, Dude, you're 6'7", 375 pounds. You don't run a 4-4-40. Yeah, I do, Coach. Said, well, I got a stopwatch. You want to run it right now? Oh, I just ate. So <laughs> everybody is faster than what they think, which means Greg runs about a 30-second 40. Because everybody's like 50% slower than what they think they are. But. And Greg, if you want, I can hook you up with Mike Tyson. Maybe we could get you on pay-per-view. <laughs> it seems to be taking anyone right now. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we wrap it up, Sam? No, I think we covered it today. All right. We'll be back with the NFL Power Rankings at 1 tomorrow, correct? Yeah, it'll be out tomorrow. And the Steelers will not be in the top 10, I'm betting. Oh, no, they won't. They will not be there. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Make sure you go check us out on the Rockfin. Uh, follow Sam Teets at Sam Teets 33 Follow me at Grueling Truth. 
But for now, for Sam, I'm Mike. You've been listening and watching The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.